This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop, And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello again to the Foxborough faithful and Patriots nation all over the world. Welcome back to the latest and always greatest edition of Six Rings in Football Things brought to you by WEEI-FM in Boston, Odyssey, and 2400 Sports. You got your old pals Nick Fitzy Stevens and Andy Jumbo Hart here with you today. And we're going to go right straight to it. We're going to go behind enemy lines to kick off our preview edition of Patriots at Air. It is, which is how you have to say that name each and every time. It's a copyright. Chris Berman owns that the same way Michael Buffer gets paid every time someone says, let's get ready. I won't say it because don't do it. I don't have the two million dollars. I just can't do it. I just can't do it. But I am pleased to welcome in today to kick things off on our Pats Raiders preview pod. Of course, the game was flexed out Sunday. It's not at 825 on Sunday Night Football. It's 405 Eastern time, 105 Pacific. I'll be out there. On the Fox Network. I won't be on Fox. I'll be at Allegiant Stadium. What up, y'all? It's your boy Danny Green, three-time NBA champ. You either rooted for me or rooted against me. Join myself and my co-host Harrison Sanford on the Inside the Green Room podcast. It's a podcast that brings you never-before-told tales from the locker room to candid interviews with basketball legends to breakdowns of what's happening in the NBA right now. Whether you're a diehard fan or casual about your hoops, this podcast brings you the game like never before. Follow Inside the Green Room on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. And I'll also be out there, hopefully, with our friends from Silver and Black Today and Odyssey Sister Podcast. Our pal Scott Gulbranson joins us right now here on Six Rings and Football Things. Scott, how are we doing today, my man? Thanks for joining us. Oh, Nick and Andy, great to be with you guys. Appreciate you having me on. Are you loving the Josh McDaniels experience so far? <laughs> oh, we'll get, we'll get into that, my friend. I'm sure we'll talk a lot about that because I, I got some heat this week uh, as, as I'm not one of those guys who will call for a coach to be fired after one year because I think coach has to get time. But, but I've called it coaching malpractice this year mm-hmm. in Las Vegas. Uh, there's been good stretches. Obviously, they had a three-game win stretch. But overall, with Josh McDaniels, I just don't understand what he's doing uh, and and what he's thinking because it doesn't really make much sense. I I think this has been one of the most, uh, I've been very vocal about it with Andy and our other contributors on the podcast. Uh, I've been very vocal about what a wonky season this has been overall in the NFL, how I think the product has been at times unwatchable. The likes of Tom Brady and Troy Aikman, pretty good QB company, agree with me. and in a season of head scratchers, there may be no more head scratching a team than your Vegas Raiders, Scott, who now have accomplished the 
you guys are in your own category. Uh, you guys are unique. You are the first and only team in the history of the National Football League to lose four double-digit leads at halftime, to lose all four of those games. And the ultimate head-scratcher, the 13-3 halftime lead on Thursday Night Football last week against the Rams and a quarterback who literally got in 48 hours before kickoff. Uh, where the Raiders went in that second half, what happened to that team? Is that even beyond your comprehension or is that endemic of this season? <laughs> well, Fitzy, first, let me say, uh, are you telling me that Baker Mayfield isn't the next coming of Tom Brady? Is that what you're telling me? Because um, <laughs> no, Belichick did want to draft him in 2018, if rumors uh, are true. I know, but yeah, it, it's it's indicative of oh. how the season has gone. If you look back at the beginning of this season, remember the Raiders last year with the John Gruden debacle, the emails, him getting fired, basically forced, the Raiders being forced to fire him, I should say, uh, and all the adversity they dealt with last year, uh, including a player who killed someone for drunk in drunk, a drunk driving accident at 140 miles an hour. You name it. It was a it was a bad year. Uh, and and through all that, they persevered and they made the playoffs with 10 wins. So you add Josh McDaniels, Dave Ziegler, you add uh, Devontae Adams, arguably the best receiver in all of football. OK, uh, you add uh, the fact that they had returning players in Darren Waller, uh, tight end. who was coming off an injury, but everything looked good for him. So you looked at this team and you said, and as we said on our podcast to start the year, this team has to make the playoffs. Like there's no excuse if this team doesn't make the playoffs because they haven't, they've gotten better in certain areas uh, and they got a little weaker on the offensive line, which has turned out to be a big deal. So, so the expectations going in and the team, by the way, set the expectations that look, we're a playoff team. We're not rebuilding anything here. We're building now to win by signing Adams by giving Waller an extension, by giving Derek Carr an extension. They gave their slot receiver, Hunter Renfro, an extension. All right, so they took care of core players and went out and signed uh, other players to supplement that defense as well, like Chandler Jones. And so everything looked great. We had Raider fans, and I told them not to do this at the beginning, uh, thinking that they were going to go to the Super Bowl, right? So it comes in, and then all of a sudden you have players that can't play. Darren Waller can't play, can't get on the field, wasn't in training camp, was kind of a hold-in, if you will, waiting for his new contract. We said, don't give him a new contract. He's got two years left. Let him force, let him play and see what he does uh, because guess what? He's not played. He's played in five games this year. He's coming back. He's designated to come back this week, actually. Uh, but So this Raiders team, everything that everyone thought would be its strength have turned out to be weakness, except for Devontae Adams and a couple other guys. But overall, the talent has not lived up to the billing. The deficiencies have, have been exposed, especially in these late, these late losses, as have the coaching miscues, which have both been both on the defense and on the offense, which, as you know, Josh McDaniels calls. So you, you joked about it earlier. What is your biggest um, gripe, I guess, with Josh McDaniels? Because it's funny, you talk about his mistakes. And, you know, in New England, I think they'd take him back in a heartbeat because all mm -hmm. we're doing is bitching about Matt Patricia and his mistakes and how crappy our offense looks. So <laughs> what's your biggest gripe with McDaniels, I guess? Well, here, here's how we talk about it on our show is that it, it's almost like Josh McDaniels. Well, two things. One is he almost I, I think he's got this thought that he's smarter than everybody in the world, except mm. maybe his old boss. OK, mm. so he knows best at all times. And at times it's shown because he has Josh Jacobs, the leading rusher in the NFL, and seemingly for the first couple of games of the year, used him well, and then all of a sudden stopped using him and started doing all sorts of weird things like end arounds 
uh, on third and 14. Uh, maybe you've seen that before. I don't know. Yes. We're, we're, in, we're intimately familiar with why the hell did you call that? <laughs> exactly. So you, you saw that. So, so he, he seems to be too smart for his own good. He thinks he knows a lot and it doesn't seem to ever work very well. So this Raiders offense, which everyone in the NFL, including folks that don't exactly speak highly of the Raiders, said this has the, the potential to be really a top 10 offense. You add McDaniels, you add the talent, and here you go. Uh, it has never performed that way. It's had its stretches. Uh, and Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams, when he's targeted more than five times a game, the Raiders are 5-0. and When they don't target him more than seven times a game, he is, they're 0-5. And guess what? Can you imagine last – Last game on Thursday, you guys talking about the Rams debacle. Second half, Devontae Adams makes two of the best catches I've ever seen in the first half, okay? Is torching Jalen Ramsey, one of the best corners in the league. Second half, he gets no targets, no catches in the entire second half. How does that happen? So those are the types of things I'm talking about with McDaniels on what the hell is he doing. Secondarily, I think that um, there might be an issue here with leadership, right? Some guys – can be head coaches, just like some people can be CEOs. Other people's are better being, I don't know, a CMO or a CFO. And mm-hmm. so if that's going to happen um, and you're not able to lead that team and Josh McDaniels, based on what we saw in Denver and now what we've seen to be fair to him, it's only been through now almost one season. It just seems as though there's been big outages in big times when things didn't seem to be in sync. Yeah. I, I got to tell you, I always thought Scott that, the humility rather as opposed to like the hubris of, you know, coming from the Belichick coaching tree, being an offense, considered an offensive genius, et cetera, that that wouldn't bite McDaniels in the ass again, Mm -hmm. but rather now coming around, it would be some humility would factor into the equation and McDaniels will have learned from his mistakes. And you add that like the experience, the, you know, let's not be doomed to repeat our mistakes, but rather learn from them and improve ourselves. You add that, to the boatload of talent that the Raiders have, uh, you know, it's not a great secondary or linebacking core, but mm-hmm. you can rush the passer. You got receivers out the wazoo running backs, a very good quarterback. There's every reason in the world that the Raiders should have, like, how do you not improve on what Rich Bisaccia was able to do last year with that team? Instead, they've now regressed. And it, again, I keep coming back to this, what happens to them when they get a lead? Like they go up seven, they go up against the Jags. I think it was um, obviously against the chargers. They, they get these 13, 17, 20 point leads. And then they just turtle, which is yeah. so strange because McDaniels, Andy, would you, wouldn't you say that McDaniels has typically been an, a more aggressive play caller? Oh, definitely. And, and they used to play from ahead in new England. Like that was sort of mm-hmm. their, their MO get a lead yeah. and bully teams play from right. ahead. Well, now, the question becomes, too, by extension, obviously, Patrick Graham and the defense and, you know, what's going on, I guess, on that side of the ball. Yeah, and, and, and the defense is a problem. But just to close on your point about McDaniels being aggressive in New England but not in Vegas, and I think that goes back to my point about, hey, when you're the ultimate decision maker, because, yep. yes, he called the offense there in New England, uh, but the hoodie was the guy, right? You, I mean, there's no question who was in charge. And so now when you're in charge – the, the criticism in Vegas has been when he's gotten the lead, he's played to not lose the lead instead of not win the game. So that's number one. On the defensive side, absolutely. Patrick Graham, I, listen, the, the Raiders' defense is deficient on talent. There's no question. Up front, they have right. talent. 
at the ends with Max Crosby, which is you know, a de- defensive player of the year candidate, and Chandler Jones, who's come on recently. He was very disappointing early in the season and, and over the last three games has really turned up the notch and, and is actually earning his money. And then up front, they've had some good good play as well as adding Jerry Tillery from, from, from the uh, Chargers, <clears throat> despite his penalty against the Rams, which is incredibly <laughs> costly. But Patrick Graham's system, uh, again, is one of those more complex systems. And this has been three consecutive defensive coordinators for the Raiders uh, that haven't worked out. Now, Gus Bradley last year played a very simple system, and it worked okay, although their defense was still at the bottom of the rung in the league. Um, before that was Paul Gunther, and it was the same issue. Players weren't, weren't uh, clear on where they needed to be. They didn't make the plays. They weren't in the right spots. We're seeing that again this year, and we're seeing, as you said, uh, the back end of that Raiders defense is just not very good. Outside of Deron Harmon, the, the veteran they added this year, and Nate mm-hmm. Hobbs, the, the young cornerback, who's a very, very good young cornerback, but was out for five games on the IR, uh, they just don't have much there. And that linebacker, Denzel Perryman, good player, great player for them, but still they just don't have enough up the middle there, and that system just doesn't seem to be clicking with the talent. So it could be that he gets a flyer, and next year they add the right pieces and they're able to play it better. But right now, that defense continues to be bottom of the league. And for the Raiders, it's, you're going on 15, 16 years since they've had a really good defense. The quarterback position is one we always fixate on when we talk football. For any team, good, bad, indifferent, is he the guy? Is he not the guy? So I know they gave Carr an extension, but are, are, are McDaniels and Carr married? Because there's obviously going to be probably – Tom Brady rumors at some point during the offseason. And I can tell you some Patriots fans wanted to trade Mac Jones out to you guys because, oh, Mac works with McDaniels. We don't want him anymore. He's garbage. What's the what's the quarterback situation short and long term? Uh, it's a it's a great question. And it's the question, I think, for this offseason, uh, because Derek Carr in Raider Nation is an amazingly polarizing figure. In Raider Nation, he might as well be Donald Trump. I mean, honestly, I'm not comparing the two guys. I'm just saying that's how polarizing it is. You have, oh, wow. you have Raider fans that are diehard Raider fans who absolutely despise him and think he's terrible. And then you have the other half who think he literally can do no wrong. It's a really weird thing that we deal with in talking with fans all the time. And I think, as always, the truth is somewhere in the middle. Derek Carr, to me, a top 15 quarterback? Yes. A top 10 quarterback? No. Uh, is he the kind of quarterback who could go on a team that has a very good defense, has a good offense in place, and win and possibly take that team to a Super Bowl? I think yes. Is he in that situation in Las Vegas? The answer right now is no. He has the offense. He has no defense. And so to me, you start looking at it and saying, look, he's got three years left seemingly in his career because he says he doesn't want to play for anybody but the Raiders. And if they keep him, they have an out this year. Uh, by, by, 15, uh, by 15 hours after the Super Bowl, they have to decide whether or not they're going to keep him. They can get out with a $4 million cap hit or they're on the line for $34 million next year, right? So Derek Carr uh, is one of those guys where I think he's a very good quarterback, but, but he is not one in, in, in a Raider uniform. And people mm. will blame everything else around him. And there's a good point. Six head coaches in nine years, yeah, that's kind of hard to have any stability. He's had – more offensive coordinators than that. I think he's had nine in his nine years or eight. And uh, it's been crazy for him. And I, listen, he's a great guy, by the way. Great guy to talk to, everything. And so if I'm the Raiders, I have to start looking at the future. And I can't believe Dave Ziegler coming out of New England isn't looking at this like a chessboard and saying, hey, you know what? It, I, we're, not, we're not two or three years away from winning a Super Bowl. We might be 
two or three years from being competitive. So do I want to roll with the veteran quarterback at 34 and then $40 million a year, or do I start looking down the road? So are the chances he comes back next year high? I think they are. Is it because McDaniels loves him? I don't think so because any coach wants to have their own quarterback and they feel it's their guy. Right. Um, So I think the Raiders will go out and get a quarterback. I don't think they're going to do it in the first round uh, unless Derek Carr really just um, craps the bed to put it blank uh, blankly to the rest of the season um, and he does so poorly that they want to move on and make it easy. Uh, so I think he's back, but uh, I think they have to groom his heir apparent because the moment you think you need a quarterback, it's already too late. You don't think that heir apparent is already there in uh, the legend of Stid the Kid? <laughs> I don't think so, uh, no. But I do think, you know, a lot of Raider fans ask me because I've, I've said recently that I think they should have an amicable divorce. And look, Derek Carr, you know, Derek Carr on the Jets right now or another mm-hmm. team that's got a good defense – uh, could probably get their team in the playoffs and who knows what could happen. Right. But I think right now for the Raiders, I would, I would prefer them to think about the future. And if that means they take a step back, then fine. You should do that because the NFL is a quarterback league. And to me, if you're complaining about play calling or you're complaining about your team, not having this or not having that, then you don't really truly have a franchise quarterback. Yeah. And look, I, I had heard some rumblings that uh, McDaniels and Carr weren't on the same page. They weren't seeing eye to eye. That would explain some of the offensive issues earlier in the mm-hmm. season. Then they got rolling. Things seemed to click and the offense got in gear. A lot of that probably did involve throwing the ball more than five times a game to Devontae Adams and getting Josh Jacobs rolling. Um, the point you made about all of the turbulence, the turnover, relocating the franchise, moving to Las Vegas, all the different coordinators, all the coaches. Um, it's its amazing to think that the Raiders could stay on a relevant or competitive track. But I'll tell you for straight up, Scott, like I took the cheese. I took the offseason bait. Uh, one of our other co-hosts here on the show, uh, Chris Scheim, he and I jested during the offseason that the AFC West would need its own version of the red zone channel because like, you know, it would be so Russell Wilson going to Denver and, you know, like Justin Herbert year three, Patrick Mahomes. And now, you know, Josh McDaniels with all these weapons, like it would be incredibly watchable. And I wondered how anybody would be able to get the Raiders off the field on third down Mm -hmm. because of Waller, Renfro, Adams, Jacobs, and a quality quarterback like Carr yet, an offense that should have been not, not a juggernaut, but a hell of a show on turf. Some weeks just can't get out of its own way. Do you really, is that a, is there an, a lack of a buy-in? Is there something mm. else that we're missing or what? Well, it's, it certainly seemed like there was a lack of buy-in early on. And I think the kind of moment came uh, when, when they lost to the Colts and, and Jeff Saturday, you know, a high school coach. Ugh coming in as an interim. Uh, oh, losing, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, losing oh. at home. Oh, yeah, welcome to my world. Uh, and so oh. so that happens, and then Derek Carr has the, the, the emotional breakdown uh, on, on, in the press conference after the game, and things seemed to change after that. That's when they went on the three-game win streak. So then you thought, okay, things weren't – and he was very critical there. He didn't, of course, didn't criticize his coach. He didn't criticize guys by name. But he said, look, we're not all bought in. We're not all on the same page here, which to me – was a statement to the coaches and to the players. And suddenly, all of a sudden, for three games, things, things started to work. Now, if you look at the way McDaniels called the offensive game plan during those three-game three, three game winning streak, he was more aggressive, more like I thought we saw in New England, and things seemed to work there. They used Josh Jacobs. The, the guy ran for 
over 170 yards for three straight games, including one for 200 yards. So they were using the running game and then supplementing it with Devontae Adams, who was also on fire during that, that stretch of games. Uh, and then all of a sudden uh, they go back to not doing it again. And, and so the buy-in there, I don't know. It seems like there is, but I think offensively too, listen, with Derek Carr, and this is the, the final thing I'll say about it is related because I think it's so – in the NFL, if your quarterback's not going, it's just not going to work. And to me, I don't know if you guys have ever worked in a place that was a toxic workplace, uh, right? No. I'm sure we all have, right? <laughs> and so In sports radio? Yeah, no. sports radio, never. <laughs> Program directors. Um, anyway, so we – you look at that situation and I feel for Derek Carr. I would love to see him go somewhere else. Not because I have any desire for him to leave the Raiders per, per se, but only because it would be good to see him go to a place where it's not a complete uh, uh, circus uh, like the Raiders have been since Al Davis died in 2011. Right. So, so I think that that in itself, he, there might be just so much baggage there that it just can't over become, overcome no matter how much talent or lack of talent there is. And so I think that that's part of the issue and why I am in favor of them moving on, but fans are, are divided 50-50, man. 50% say, no, he can win. Give him more time. He just got the playbook. But then again, other fans are saying, yeah, but he's had playbooks plenty of times, but he never transcends it. So uh, it's kind of one of those deals. And I, th- I don't think the Raider offense will ever be fully baked until all of those things are clicking. And to me, it's just time to think about the, the future and who, who, who next sits in that seat. I find this really interesting, Scott. And before we we wrap up with a sort of a game projection prediction, I got to ask you if if they did what you are advocating for and got rid of Carr, mm-hmm. Josh Jacobs is going to be a free agent, so he could be gone. Mm-hmm. And what would happen to Devontae Adams if suddenly the team he went to with his college buddy quarterback and one of the best running backs in the league is suddenly without those players? Like, I feel like if I'm a Raiders fan and and they run mm-hmm. Carr out of town, the whole damn thing could fall apart. Yeah, no, I, I hear what you're saying there. And so I think you, clearly there has to be a plan, right? There has to be some <laughs> some thinking going on there. And it can't be just handed over to a rookie we we grab either either in the first or the fourth round. I mean, okay, if, if you're at the top of the draft, which they're not going to be, I don't think, um, then, then, then you got to think about that. But I think if you're Devontae Adams, look, Devontae Adams wanted to play with Derek Carr, but at the same time, he's a professional. He just signed an extension. So, so he's there. A lot of fans are like, well, he's going to want to be traded. It's like, no, he's not going to want to be traded. It all depends on what you do. Yeah, if you, if you bring in Andy Dalton, yeah, maybe he would be, right? Maybe he wouldn't be so happy about that. <laughs> um, although Andy Dalton and Derek Carr's stats are pretty similar. Um, but if you did that – felt like a dig. That, it's a yeah. little – it's just, it's just reality, I guess. <laughs> but, um, but that and, – and Josh Jacobs too, you know, listen, Josh Jacobs, I was not in favor of them giving him his fifth year. Now he's gone out and he's had a great year, but it's a contract year. Before this year, he has not been reliable from a, a health perspective. So, so Dave Ziegler did the right yeah. thing there. He made the right choice. Uh, but yeah, they would have definitely have to consider, okay, what is the road we are going down? Are we going to take the draft capital we have, build now, and try to win now with what we have? Do we really think we can do that? Or uh, is this three or four years off and we got to make better decisions and, and stockpile young contracts so we can be a lot more competitive? Wow. Incredible. I don't think any of us would have possibly thought six months ago that we would be here at this point before Patriots Raiders, a game everyone thought was going to be an absolute ratings bonanza, mm-hmm. prime time Sunday night football, likely between two teams, either competing for the top of their division or for a playoff spot. Now, one of them has a chance to get to the playoffs. The other one, not so much. And it's lost a little bit of its luster and sex appeal. Um, 
So uh, it still should be a very competitive game. I'm excited to be out there for it. I think it's going to be highly watchable, very entertaining. And I'm not sure. I think it's probably going to be three or four points either way. Uh, mm-hmm. Scott, what are they saying about the Pats, Belichick versus McDaniels part two? Uh, and how do you see it shaking out Sunday? Well, obviously a big story. Uh, and and Josh McDaniels is, is, of course, praising his his mentor and and all the things you would expect them both to say. But, of course, it's, it's the NFL. It's a competitive game, and nobody is more competitive than Bill Belichick. So he's going to come in and want to, you know, uh, knock his head in. And so I, I think I think it's going to be a very close game, like you said. Um, I just can't pick the Raiders. I don't know how you can. Like, even, even if I was a fan, I don't know how I could pick the Raiders, uh, even though it's a home game. Just with what's happened and transpired over the last eight weeks, and especially coming off this Thursday game. Now, they do get Waller and Renfro back if they play. They've both designated to come off IR, but they have not uh, indicated whether or not those guys will be active. So we'll see what happens there. I think that'll be a big part of it. Uh, but the, the Patriots did a great job last time these two teams played in the regular season of shutting down Darren Waller for the most part. So uh, obviously Bill Belichick knows what to do. He's going to take out Devontae Adams as much as he can. So if Waller's not there, it's going to be, it's going to be tough sledding. And, and I think this is going to be, this is going to be like a 21 17 type game. Uh, and I got, I would have to go with the Patriots right now until the Raiders can prove otherwise that they can be consistent. Well, uh, I, 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 I almost feel the exact same way. Uh, you know, I don't think anyone is overly confident one way or the other in either team because the Patriots mm-hmm. keep winning, but they end up beating quarterbacks that are backups or injury replacements or whatever. Um, crazy season for both teams. I'm still just a little like twisted over like all the potential change coming to the Raiders. <laughs> I thought this was the year the Raiders rise up and like become like the biggest show in so Las Vegas. Yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> so did they. yeah. I know. Uh, yeah. So we'll see, we'll see what they do. You know, I mean, look, I, Dave Ziegler, uh, he's got a lot of decisions to make. He's got a lot of money. He's going to be able to work with next year. So we'll see what he does with a full draft this season. Uh, and then what he's able to supplement with uh, free agency, but the Raiders have to get talent. Their last four drafts have been brutal, um, including the 2020 draft, which, of course, you know, the only player left on the team is Josh Jacobs. So just horrific. And that's what really has set them back. We know a little bit something or other about inconsistent quarterback play, offensive line issues and bad drafts as well. (laughs) Oh, the familiarity facing off against each other at that beautiful stadium just off the strip in Vegas, 405 Sunday Eastern, 105 Pacific time. You can follow Silver and Black today on the Twitter at SNB Today. It's Mo Moton at Mo Moton, Maurice Moton from Bleacher Report, and our guy Scott Gulbranson at LV Gully. Scott, thanks for joining us today. I know you've been a little under the weather. This has been a terrific piece of insight into a team I think a lot of Pats fans are very curious about and should make for a hell of a game on Sunday. Uh, Take care, man. Thanks. All the best. Well, I appreciate you guys. You too. Have a great game. Thanks, Scott. Thank you, Scott. See you guys.